Hi, everyone. Welcome to Is that a LaCroix? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to start. Was that a LaCroix uh, you no, just cracked? No, we're, 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 we're keeping this all in here. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of More Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, how you doing? I'm great. Was that a LaCroix? Did I get it that was right? A, it was a LaCroix. I cracked open a Pample Mouse, right? Pample, Pample Moose, whatever it is, right before uh, we started recording. Thank you. I, I'm interested. What made you go LaCroix and not, Bill, is that a beer you're drinking? Because you always drink LaCroix, um, I've picked up on uh, throughout our, our, our years of podcasting. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm generally a seltzer person. But uh, other than that, Matt, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. It's been a very interesting week in the Penn State football world, to say the least. But the whiteout <laughs> is very close, and that's always fun. And I got yes. to talk about the 2015 uh, Penn State-Michigan game on the podcast that we released uh, today, the 15th. So that's always fun. Yes, I have a, I have a co-worker who is a Michigan fan. He always talks about how uh, Jake Rudock is the best quarterback that Jim Harbaugh has ever had. And I don't think he's kidding. But uh, we will we will save Jake Rudolph talk for a few weeks uh, later in the season uh, because this week's big. It, it has been a big week for Penn State football and upcoming is a big week for Penn State football. Upcoming is because the whiteout is this weekend. Penn State is going to play host to the Auburn Tigers under the lights in Happy Valley. Everyone wearing white. Uh, we've heard more than enough people say it's the best environment in college football. We're going to talk about that in a second, but before we do that, we want to start by talking about, very briefly, because we're sure that y'all are getting real sick of this, talking about the thing that's been on the minds of a lot of Penn State fans, and a lot of college football fans, for that matter, over the last couple of days, and that is the USC job opening, which has led to James Franklin's name being linked to it in what I would say is mostly very unofficial capacities. Uh, Dan Patrick, who, uh, you know, respected uh, television personality, but has been someone who has not always been the best source of information. Uh, all due respect to Dan Patrick and what he's done for sports broadcasting, but not always been the best source of information, has linked uh Franklin to USC saying there's mutual interest there. Seemingly every list of potential candidates by national college football people who know what they're talking about mention Franklin as a name. Of course, Franklin was tied to there back in 2014 before he took the Penn State job and eventually took uh, I, I when he took before he put, took the Penn State job, and I believe right before USC hired uh, Clay Helton or whoever it was they hired at that time. But Matt, I want to start having a really quick conversation about this and this is just what do you make of all the James Franklin to USC chatter that has just been so incessant over the last 48 hours or so I, I have no idea what mutual interest need uh, means um, I mean I have interest in going to Southern California um, because I also live in a cold environment I'm sure you do too um, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not possible um i don't think it's probable um but you always take calls if you're a head coach that's just smart business and college football you know first and foremost probably is a business i know we don't want to think it is but it is um i don't think this flirtation and a lot of franklin's answers are much more than um him letting the administration know that people want him and it is important that they give him money to keep him happy so Penn State can continue to win football games um, and everybody is happy. So that is that is my 30 second thoughts on all of 
this very weird week. And I'm very sad it's taking away a lot of the conversation around the whiteout. Um, I feel like a lot of the conversation around the team this week has been about the UFC job and ahead of the whiteout and the first whiteout in two years and the first SEC team to come to Happy Valley in a decade. That's just a bit of a bummer. Uh, but again, it's a business and I get why it's happening. I'm in that same boat. And, you know, I'm, I, I want to give a hat tip to something uh, that Ryan Snyder of Rivals tweeted where uh, Georgia tweeted out a video of its new football facility. And he said, this is why Penn State needs to invest more into football. They've made progress, no doubt. But there's still a real gap between what PSU has and that next year. And I think that so long as that is the case, you know, there are all these lists, the best jobs in college football, the five best jobs, the 10 best, blah, 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 blah. Penn State's always going to be just a little tier below. And that's a big reason why I think that uh, we're going to see Franklin link to this job. And again, capacities that we don't know how official they are or whatever. Um, if Franklin does end up using this just to get more money for uh, for facilities and assistant coaches, God bless him. Uh, if that's not going to happen and everything that he is saying is basically him telling USC, please leave me alone. God bless him. And then there's the element that, I, I mean, I, y'all know that I work, like my nine to five is in sports. So maybe my perspective is just different here, but I think we forget that the people that we watch on our TVs in an F when we're watching sports are people. Uh, they're people who when they get home from their job, even if their job is as big as the head football coach at Penn State, they want to leave work there and they want to spend time with their families. They want to be able to hug their children and uh, kiss their wife before they go to bed. And they want to uh, make, you know, have a nice meal with the rest of their families. They have bills to worry about. The end of all, all this stuff that you and I go through every single day are something that college football coaches go to. And maybe, you know, it's easier for them to pay their bills. They don't have to worry as much about this and that and the other thing. They're still people. And if at the end of this college football season, James Franklin sits down with his wife and his two beautiful children and says, what is the best thing for all of us? And they decide that is to go to USC. Then this is the one job where we get mad we as a collective group of people get mad because someone does the best thing for themselves. If James Franklin was an accountant and he was going from one firm to the next, nobody would care. So ultimately I, you know, this isn't based on reporting or anything. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I think Franklin probably understands what a good thing he has here, Matt. Um, I think Penn state has shown uh, that there is a willingness to make sure they let James Franklin know what a good thing he has here. But ultimately, you know, September 15th at 9.16 p.m., if I give you a $100 bill and say, Matt, put this down on something, make a bet, what do you think is going to happen? I hope Penn State's next head coach because he's the current one. Yeah, is what I would I'm, say. I'm inclined to agree with that. Uh, as- uh, real quick, can I, can I go into like the business side of it for like five seconds, just because I thought a lot about this? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, 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 love, I, I love to hear that. So it's expected that USC is going to have to pay out over ten million dollars in buyout money to Clay Helton himself and his staff. 
And just scrolling through, um, by the loss of the football season last year, um, I get that the Pac-12 played, but USC played seven games, um, which is about half what they normally play. And this is from reignoftroy.com, but they say no USC football means loss of 50 to 60 million for athletic department. So let's say conservatively they lost $15 million with COVID last season, purely from football alone. You're already in a $25 million hole. And then you have to pay whatever Franklin's buyout's going to be and then whatever the new staff is going to be. And they made this move the second week of September, and they're not hiring a search firm. I think they have somebody lined up because that is so much money to put on the line without having somebody lined up. Because let's say, realistically, Penn State has a really favorable schedule, um, he says in an optimistic tone. Um, but Ohio State looks vulnerable. Like, if Penn State wins the Big Ten, Franklin doesn't make a move after the year. He'd be crazy to. So I think they have something in the works behind the scenes simply because that is at the absolute bare, bare, bare minimum, a $25 million move to fire him right now, um, just based on what happened in 2020 and right now. And I don't think any athletic director worth anything is crazy enough to, to put that kind of money on the line for a non-guaranteed thing in September. Yeah, I mean, I well, I'm sure, sure, for reasons that are really annoying, we will spend more time talking about this uh, as the season goes on. Um, uh, uh, another question, Matt, uh, real quick. Who's USC hiring? Um, I want to say I it's agree. Gonna, it's going to be Urban. I think it's Urban. Yeah, yeah, I... I the, Listen, did you, you, I think one, we all saw the video of him uh, answering that question. One, the question was amazing. It was basically like, I'm not going to say the thing I want to say because it would get me in trouble, but it was basically like they had a Jags PR. This did not happen. I'm just saying this is what it came off as, everyone. It was like they had a Jags PR staffer there to basically say, sir, this very mean report that treated you unfairly uh, said that it would be crazy. I mean, it's crazy. You want to say it's crazy, right? Please come out here and say it's crazy. And then Urban Meyer like looks at the ground and slumps his shoulders and goes, uh, yeah, I'm the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he I, looks like I, a kid I, apologizing for like right. swearing in front of a teacher in the principal's office. Yeah. <laughs> it's really I, listen, funny. And besides, like, Urban, listen, I don't – I'm not exactly a fan of yours, but my guy, you don't want to go to, to 1 and 16 or whatever it is. Just, like, be done with it. Uh, but, yeah, I I think that's enough talk about this. I, I apologize um, to everyone who would rather not hear us talk about this, but we thought it was important to at least address it because it's a topic of conversation in the Penn State Universe – Instead, let's move on to the thing that we do want to talk about. We do want to be here discussing, and that is the best thing in college sports, the Penn State whiteout with Auburn coming to town. It's a unique, like, it sucks that it happened this week because we are so used to the whiteout being Ohio State or Michigan that we're taking away from the fact it is so cool that this is happening against Auburn in an exceedingly rare home and home with one of the best teams in college football, Auburn's going to be walking in 2-0, the number 22 team uh, in the polls. They came in 11th in SP Plus this week. Uh, they've had a weird season up to this point, Matt. And 
let's dive into why that is the case. What are your general thoughts on this Auburn team as it's getting ready to come into Happy Valley? They're well coached. Brian Harson's a, a good coach for, for all of his flaws. He kept Boise really performing at a high level. So they're well coached. Um, but also, the, uh, they ain't played nobody. They've played Akron and Alabama State. And no disrespect to either of those programs, but there's a reason they put up a combined 10 points against a defense that lost a lot of people through the transfer portal and via graduation. Um, this is not something I'm very impressed by. Uh, it's, I think, might easily be the easiest schedule in college football so far. And this two-week stretch might be the easiest two-week stretch of any team in the country. So, Would you, would you I, like – can I interrupt you right here? Because I think this is, this is a good place to slide this in. According to uh, the Twitter account, at CFB Nerds, and I'm going to just quote them directly. This is the challenge in evaluating Auburn versus Penn State. Penn State's Sagarin strength of schedule rank 18. Auburn's Sagarin strength of schedule rate rank 231. Yes, all 129 other FBS teams and also 102 FCS teams have had a more difficult schedule than Auburn to date. <laughs> I want to know what, SE, what uh, FCS teams haven't had a harder schedule. I want to know what that schedule looks like. I I, I, I I could probably go find that, but that'll uh, that, 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 that might be uh, exclusive blog content. We'll, uh, we, okay. will, we, we will we will look into this, but we're, we, we spent 10 minutes talking about USC. So continue. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that was that's absolutely insane. I, I saw that set earlier, but I, I couldn't remember if it was Sagarin or Torovic, I'll be honest. Um, which one was the football one, so I didn't want to misquote. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a hard schedule. It's not hard to put up 62 points against Akron and FCS team, uh, because we have watched Penn state put up 70 points against an FCS team in the past four years. Um, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued by what this team has. I'm intrigued by Bo Nix because I don't think anybody has any idea what Bo Nix is and any quarterback you're confused by three years into his starting career. Um, it are some of my favorite quarterbacks because uh, they're just usually really fun um, or funny, depending on how you look at it. So uh, I'm not entirely afraid of Auburn, and I, I think Penn State's gonna gonna really take care of business uh, here in a couple of days. So uh, the the schedule, let, let's face it, the schedule is everything here. Like Auburn's schedule and how you view it, and how you view them for having this schedule impacts your entire outlook on this game. And there are two camps of this, and I, I honestly God don't know what camp I'm in. One is the more, um, the one that gives Auburn a little bit more credit, which is, listen, it's not your fault. It's not this team's fault that they played two teams that absolutely suck. Both of them played at Auburn. All you can do is go up against the teams that are in front of you and take care of business, and a combined score of 122 to 10 in those games is taking care of business. And that comes with the caveat of they have had those two games with a brand new coaching staff, a brand new offense, a brand new defense, and they basically got two incredibly low-risk environments to install those. 
Going into game three, they're going to know what they want to do, which is something that is invaluable to a college football team when they have this kind of big change. And I like I definitely think, Matt, there is a lot to that. But then there's the other side of things, which is if it was Akron and then Alabama State and then going on the road to play you know, South Carolina at noon, I think that is going on – I don't want to say – a ramp up because Akron is better than Alabama state, but it's going from step one, which is those two teams to step two, which is a nice, easy road game against a team with FBS power five, you know, South Carolina is not great power five level talent. Instead, what they are doing is going from fighting you fighting me and winning both of those fights and then going on to fight Tyson Fury. Like, it is a ramp up the likes of which, like, I haven't seen something like this in quite a while. And I don't know, like, where do you kind of fall on that? I think I'm in the, I think I am probably in the camp just because of the talent that they have on the team and the caliber of coaching that they have with a big old asterisk from Mike Bobo um, that they got two games to install things and understand what they are. But where do you fall, Matt? Because it is a tricky one. I mean, confidence is great. Everybody wants to have confidence, uh, especially in a quarterback that's been shaky throughout his career. Um, Ooh, bro- on- brother, I, I have those stats in the chamber and I cannot wait to fire them off. Please keep going. I'm excited. Um, but also at the same time, if you're this new coaching staff, how much do you show against Akron and Alabama State? Uh, it's like what uh, I think it was Devin Ford or it might have been Noah Kane and Parker Washington this week. I'm, I don't remember who was available to the media this week said there's so much in your offense that we haven't seen yet because why show it if you don't need it? So I think there's a lot of things that Auburn has in their playbook that they have not repped live yet. And, and that's a big change from doing it on your practice field to doing it in Beaver Stadium with the whiteout all around you. So it's hard for me to really say, and I and I totally agree with, what was it, C- at CFB Nerds, take this game is impossible really to have any idea where Auburn stands because you don't know what they actually have because they have no reason to show you anything because they can win by 50 points against the Akrons and the Alabama states of the world. Yeah, and when we dive into the talent on, on this Alabama team and how – not Alabama. Uh, if Penn State was playing Alabama, this would have been a real quick podcast. Uh, this Auburn team – Florida's winning this weekend, by the way. No, they're not. Uh, I, call, I called the Oregon one. I called the Oregon one. There's calling uh, Ohio State with, uh, with Ryan Day very – like – it's obvious Ryan Day's been thinking about maybe Kerry Coombs, isn't it, for a while. There's that, and then there's Alabama. Neither here nor there. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that later. But when we look at how this Auburn team matches up, the thing that makes them so interesting to me is that they have Bo Nix. They have a chaos agent at quarterback. We'll talk about him in a little bit. They have Tank Bigsby, who, for my money, one of the best running backs in college football. But then outside of that, they don't have a ton of like 
top-end talent at wide receiver. They have a couple of preseason all-SEC offensive line selections. Uh, Nick Brahms got a nod on the second team. Brodarius Ham got a nod on the third team. But there's a lot of lot of questions to be asked of Auburn's offense. On defense, plenty of talent. Derek Mason's one of the finest defensive coaches in college football. But Matt, I generally think that for how talented Auburn is and how big of a program Auburn is, I think Penn State matches up pretty well with them. Yeah, I think across the board. I think these are two very similar programs in two very similar places and that they're always it feels like they're always chasing that one team not only in their conference in their division that is a absolute buzzsaw um so i feel like the talent aligns really really well um this is going to be controversial to any auburn fan who has tweeted at all in the past 48 hours but i think penn state's faster i think penn state is a quicker team um auburn might be a bit bigger um because Tank Bigsby is absolutely terrifying um, and a very large man. And it it's, would be awful to have to tackle him. But um, overall, I think it's very even because I think where each team has a strength, the other team has a way to neutralize it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down there. And let's start by looking at both sides of the football. Let's start by going when Penn State has the ball. What is your focus going to be with Sean Clifford and this Nittany Lion offense going up against Derek Mason's defense? Man, I did two film studies this week um, over on RoarLionsRoar.com um, that I was very excited about because I love doing film studies um, with Noah Kane and Kayvon Lee being highlighted because, man, the plays Yersic ran with them were so fun and we didn't see a lot of them as the two backs in a two back set but I think that's a look that we're gonna see eventually and this feels like a great week to bring it out so really if Clifford just takes care of the football which he has done a phenomenal job doing so far I think I can only count maybe two or three balls that were even remotely questionable like as a decision wise um throughout the entire first two games of the season and this team frankly has run block pretty well, but hasn't passed block very well. So in order to really control the clock and to make sure Clifford has the time he needs, you have to be run first. And that's a way that I think can win you this game pretty comfortably. I, I think I agree with that. And something that um, I think helps Penn State is that when you look at where the talent is on this Auburn team, uh, or at least on this Auburn defense. One, defensive coordinator. Like, I think the chess match between Mike Yurisich and Derek Mason is going to be fantastic. Like, I mentioned this on uh, the pod I did going behind enemy lines with Jerry Hinnon. Um, Derek Mason, even when those Vandy teams stunk, they were nasty. They had a viciousness about them on the defensive side of the football. And uh, it's still early, so it's very plausible they just don't have that kind of thing yet. But they have talent in their back seven. Uh, Smoke Monday, 
Uh, Roger McCreer are two good defensive backs. Jacoby McLean and especially Owen Popo are two really good linebackers. The weakness of this team comes along its relative weakness of this team comes along its defensive front. Uh, you know, defensive end kind of guys like Romello Height, TD Moultrie, especially talented players, but not really guys who. Um, who are going to be able to go out and control the game and really make life hard on Penn State's running backs. I do think that this could be the kind of game where Penn State is able to run the ball well. What is going to be so interesting to me is that Derek Mason wants to create havoc plays. He wants to create some amount of chaos and they're going to be hiding looks. They're going to be hiding where pressure is coming from, trying to beat Sean Clifford before the snap. Uh, because a big thing that Penn State has been able to do this year is just not turn the ball over. And I think Auburn is going to make it a point to really try and trick Clifford into making some mistakes. Because there have been some moments where uh, even though he hasn't thrown any interceptions this year, he hasn't quite looked um, totally in command of the passing offense. Let's say that. So that that's a great way to put it. Like tricked. Like I said, the the offensive line hasn't been great in pass protection this year, mm-hmm. but Auburn's defensive line isn't great. So if they're going to get Clifford to throw a pick, it's going to have to be through some really well disguised blitz. And Mason is absolutely a guy you can pull that off. I, I like that that terminology. Yeah. And like I. I think you can almost hear the gears turning in Clifford's head that he understands that the most important thing he could do is not turn the ball over. It seems like that has been something that Mike Harris has just drilled into him. Clifford is, and I think Sean deserves all the credit in the world, has really internalized that. So uh, credit to him. Um, I think Auburn is going to be, it's interesting they are a different, probably a different kind of defense than Wisconsin because Wisconsin is just like so well drilled and so well schemed where Auburn has some more dudes, some more athleticism on it. I'm interested to see just how that works itself out. Uh, but I do think that the running game is going to be able to have a little bit of success. I don't think Penn State, like I don't think Noah Kane is going to be putting up like a Saquon box score or anything like that. Kayvon Lee is not putting up a Saquon box score. But I think Penn State could really do some damage on the ground. Um, on the other side of the ball, Matt, uh, oh boy. Um, Auburn, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, Auburn 10th defensive SP+. They are 20th in offensive SP+, through two games. Um, like we mentioned, they have an ast- Astoundingly good running back in Tank Bigsby preseason first team all SEC. Uh, but to me, <sighs> Bo Nix is their quarterback. So people tell me. Um, I, I, I have no idea what Bo Nix has improved upon because um, it feels like the exact same guy who was out there in 2019 as a true freshman. Like, I don't see any development at all. And, I, and that's been a big knock on Gus throughout his career. And, and I get that now he's gone, but I I don't... I, I'm not necessarily the kind of guy who thinks you get better the more you play, especially at quarterback. Like, if you look back on it, Hack's best season was his first year as a starter. McSorley's best season was his first year as a starter. Looking like Clifford's best season is going to be his first year as a starter. Um, so, like, regression or whatever you want to call it kind of is, is a thing and kind of exists in that room. But I don't think 
Nick's changed at all. He feels like the exact same guy. And I don't think that guy is the kind of quarterback who can beat this kind of team and this kind of defense in Happy Valley. All right. Are you ready? Hit me with it. These stats are really funny. He's like, I cannot stop laughing at these. So I, I, I tweeted these out the other day. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, don't one, one, you should probably not do that. Uh, but if you did follow the blog on Twitter, we're close to 10 K. We're yeah, inching close. Uh, yeah. Uh, RLR blog on Twitter. We're getting near 10 K. I'm going to try and spam uh, all y'all, all y'all's timelines tomorrow in order to uh, get those followers up. But Bo Nix's career splits. Home games, 63% completion, 2,695 yards, 15 touchdowns, one interception for a passer rating of 141.5. Neutral site oh, games. That's really good. Neutral site games, 60.9% completion, 1,028 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, 141.2 passer rating. Okay? Also then pretty good. Then there's his road numbers. On the road in Bo Nix's career, he has completed 54.5% of his passes for 1,617 yards, 9 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions for a passer rating of 105.4. Now, we're going to go through and go through pass attempts. On the home, At home, he has thrown 349 passes for 15 touchdowns and one pick. Neutral site, 138 passes, 60.9% completion, nine touchdowns, two picks. On the road, Bo Nix has thrown the ball 286 times. That is 63 fewer passing attempts than he has had at home and has thrown six fewer touchdowns and nine more interceptions than he has at home. Like, it is... This is the most interesting part of this game to me, Matt. We have enough data, and maybe it has changed with a new coaching staff and how they are going to do things. But Bo Nix turns into a different quarterback on the road, and it is different in a bad way. And if that guy shows up on Sunday on Saturday night, this is going to be a bloodbath. This feels like the kind of game where Jaquan Brisker, Joey Porter Jr., and Tariq Castro-Fields can show they are fourth-round picks or better. And I think a lot of them are better uh, in the 2022 NFL Draft. I think with how talented they are, I love that the staff sat Brisker last week. It's a bummer Rudolph got hit with the targeting call, but uh, it sounds like Keaton Ellis is back and ready to go, which is which is promising. Um I think Bristol's going to have an absolute field day. I think they're going to get a ton of pressure. I think there's going to be some great overthrows, and I think Bristol could have multiple turnovers in this game. And I think Porter can finally come down with a pick, um, and TCS has been playing really solid all year. So I think this secondary is going to have an absolute field day, uh, and I think Nix is going to be rattled pretty early. And uh, it sounds like if he's rattled early, he stays rattled for the entirety of road games based on those numbers. So the, the one thing I will give Auburn, at the very least, is that Bigsby is an exceptional football player. Uh, he's going to be the guy that uh, – Jarquez Hunter has been their leading rusher this year. He, he 17 carries for 257 yards. 94 of those yards came on one play. He and Sean Shivers uh, – I believe Shivers got a 
decent amount of run last year. They're going to ride Tank Bigsby, and that is not a bad bet at all. He's a very, very good football player. Comparing it to Wisconsin, he is better than Ches Malusi. Wisconsin's offensive line is better than Auburn's. I'm interested to see how that levels itself out, especially because uh, Ellis Brooks is going to be the, be in for the entire game and has shown just a real adeptness at getting guys organized in the running game. But Matt, I kept one thing from you while talking Bo Nix a moment ago, and that is how his rushing stats change between home and road games. We're, we're going to throw out a neutral site here just because that one's really not important. He has carried the ball 91 times in home and road games, both an equal number of rushing attempts. At home, 404 rushing yards, nine touchdowns. On the road, 211 yards and five touchdowns. He runs for two fewer yards per carry in road games, or has to this point in his career. I want to say that. And to me, if Auburn doesn't have the threat of their quarterback running the football and Penn State can just focus on taking Tank Bigsby out of the game, it's really hard. For, you know, he'll get some yards on some broken plays, stuff like that. It's just really hard for me to see a path for this Auburn offense uh, that basically isn't put so much on the defense to give us these kind and our special teams to give us these kinds of short fields. Um, I, I, I'm interested in in that part of it, do you think that Auburn's offense has the horses in the event, in basically any event, to be able to put up the points they're going to need to win this football game? Look, for all of its faults, the Brent Pry defense does a good job stopping the run. Uh, I'm trying to pull up right now, probably the, the best running back we've seen Penn State face in at home in a while would probably be Jonathan Taylor in 2018. I want to say that game was. Well, and uh, he... I mean, I, I, I'd say Dobbins. Okay, right, Dobbins. But was that 2019 would have been at Ohio State. So that wasn't in... 2018 was in Penn State, though. Right, all right, right. But the Wisconsin game was after that. Any, or I think so, at least. Anywho, um, this pride defense knows how to stop running backs. Um and usually they struggle with dual threat quarterbacks. JT Barrett did pretty well against them. Not that he was exactly a dual threat guy, but I think pretty comparable to Bo Nix, um, just based upon how both of them play. Uh, and if they can shut down Bigsby, which I think is priority one, I think Nix will make enough mistakes and that there's not enough playmakers on Auburn's offense to negate the playmakers Penn State has on this defense, if that makes any sense. Mm. I just don't think this Auburn team is talented enough offensively to keep pace. And if they shut down Tank Bigsby, I don't know what their game yeah, what their game plan can be. Because in a whiteout, your biggest or the best chance you have of winning would be to take the crowd out of it. And there's no better way to do that than to rip off three yard run after three yard run. And if that's not there, I have no idea what the formula is for winning in that environment. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair point. And like I'm going through it right now. And a big issue that this Auburn team has is that it's like arsenal of pass catchers are a lot of guys generally who have just not been 
in this kind of situation. Going through, these are their top receiving, the, the guys who have all caught uh, balls for them this season that aren't running backs, and how many receptions they had coming into this season. Shedrick Jackson had 10 catches coming into this season. He's been their leading pass catcher this year. Demetrius Robertson, a little bit more. He had 50 uh, during his freshman year uh, in college football, which he spent at Cal. Uh, But since coming to Auburn, uh, which uh, he suited up for them for the first time this season, he has caught six balls. Each of the I mean, the last two years, he's caught 42 total uh, while he's been at Georgia. Kobe Hudson, seven receptions coming into this season. Uh, Javarius Johnson, no receptions coming into the season. Malcolm Johnson Jr., no receptions coming into this season. John, Shen, John Samuel Schenker, their tight end, has had 15 coming into this season. Uh, Elijah Cannon three, like Zevian Capers, seven. They just don't have the established options in their passing game to, I think, give them like that answer in the event things go in this for Penn State. So Matt, let's play fill in the blank before we give our predictions. We'll start with Auburn. Auburn wins this game if blank. If the Penn State defense falls back on what they used to do. They didn't do it against Wisconsin, which made me very happy. And they let a mediocre quarterback pick them apart with dink and dump, dink and dump screen passes and uh, like slants and little ones like that and let them run free. Auburn wins if Penn State can't stop those. For me, Auburn wins if Penn State... What, what's, the word, what's the word I'm looking for? Regresses. I think regresses is probably the right word. If Sean Clifford goes back to last year's Sean Clifford, we see him have those quicksand moments where he makes a mistake. He's so eager to fix it. He makes another, so eager to fix it. Another, 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 and just kind of compounds onto one another. Uh, The running game is stuck in the mud and can't really get going. Uh, There's no third receiving option uh, after Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington. The defense, like you mentioned, just some of those bad habits that we've seen over the years. The pass rush isn't getting there. The corners are just playing a little bit too soft and getting beat. But like, if all those things happen, I think Auburn wins this game. And also, Auburn wins this game if they are the team that makes Penn State make mistakes. Penn State's thing has been they make you make mistakes, whether that's turnovers, whether that's throwing passes when you don't want to, whether that is, uh, you know, where you want to run is taken away. So you look somewhere else and there's someone there and you just have nowhere to go. If you allow a big play in the passing game, if you get eaten up in the running game, like those sorts of things, if those mistakes go Auburn's way, I think Auburn wins. I think you guys know what my Penn state wins at blank is. If Penn state just goes out, plays its game and really doesn't get caught up in kind of the hype around this game from their perspective and the perspective of the environment. Uh, Matt, for you, Penn State wins this game with blank. If they execute, I have no doubt that your and probably have great game plans. Uh, if they just go out there and, and play similarly to how they did 
against Wisconsin. And if they're able to finish drives, which they didn't really do against Ball State, which was kind of a bummer, uh, if they finish those drives with touchdowns instead of field goals, um, I think they'll win this game comfortably. So let's get to that point. Uh, Penn State, Auburn, 7.30 kick on ABC. Line uh, from the folks out in the desert is Penn State minus five. Over under is 53. Our pal Bill Conley has this game. Uh, Penn State 28, Auburn 23. Matt, what are your thoughts on those scores? Where do you think this game ends up and who do you think ends up winning? Um, I think Penn State's going to smoke them. Um, I think Penn State can win by three touchdowns. Um, wow. Penn State, Penn, I, I think this Auburn team is not that good. I'll be honest. I don't think that I'm not impressed by anything I've seen. Penn State 35, Auburn 10. Woo. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm also going Penn State. I'm going something like 31, 21, uh, even though like, I don't love that because, you know, just the respect that I have for Derek Mason as a defensive coordinator, but we certainly have friends who have compared this to past whiteout blowouts and think that uh, this is trending in that direction. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take too terribly much away from Auburn. It's just like, for me, Matt, I'm just having so much trouble with going from what their schedule has been to now this. Also, where, where do the points come from? Is Bo Nix going to throw for 300? You have to it, throw for would, 300 yards, be, in my opinion, to win a game, to win this game. It would have to be a mix of they are just able to basically annihilate Penn State in the time of possession game and win the turnover battle comfortably. I, like, I think it has to come down to that. Fair you enough. Know, I, uh, think uh, Wisconsin, uh, unless, I think Wisconsin – go ahead. Sorry, Bill. I was going to say, unless Bo Nix like, is home game Bo and not road game Bo. Even then, I think that's still a two-score win for Penn State. I feel okay. so good. I feel I granted there's a lot of distractions around the team this week, and that's kind of put a damper on this. Um, but I still think Penn State's going to go out there and, and crush them. All right. Well, uh, let's put it this way. I hope Matt is more right than I am. Uh, I'm where are you? Uh, where are you going to be watching this one, Matt? Oh, to be determined. Um, I bought an antenna recently, which I'm very excited about because I always hated watching games on delay because the slack would usually spoil things for me. Um, so I, I would, I wouldn't mind watching this one on my balcony with the antenna going. Feels like a, feels like a lovely time. Or might go to one of the, uh, one of the Penn State bars here in Chicago because both yeah. are pretty close to where I live. So I, we'll see. I haven't, I haven't decided yet. I, 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 if you could do it safely, man. Like, I don't know about you, but like it. I mean, my ticket, my ticket just sold today, and I'm, not, I'm feeling actually pretty good about that. Uh, but I'm like really bummed out about the fact that it's just I, I just can't go to this game so like I'm ex I'm going to be watching it among a crowd of Penn Staters and I'm really excited to be doing that I hope you get a chance to do that I hope all of you listeners get a chance to do that whether it's being at the game whether it's with friends family uh your Penn State Alumni Association chapter whatever it might be this is going to be a fun one uh no it's not going to be fun Matt going around the Big Ten and starting with Friday September 17th a 9 p.m kick on FS1, the mighty Maryland Terrapins heading into Illinois line, Maryland, seven and a half points. Um, I think Maryland wins this game because I think their offense might actually be pretty good. And I think Illinois kind of stinks. 
Illinois sold their soul to beat Nebraska in week zero, and it was totally worth totally, it. Totally, <laughs> now, totally and now they're gonna it. they're gonna lose every game the rest of the year. Uh, give me the Terps by by a bunch. Give me the Terps minus anything here. Hey, speaking of Nebraska, first game on Saturday noon kick. This is the big nude football game of the week from Memorial Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma. The number three Oklahoma Sooners playing host to the uh, really upsetting Nebraska Cornhuskers. Oklahoma is a 22-point favorite, Matt, and I think they might obliterate that. Oh, I was going to say take the points. Really? I, I, I mean, Oklahoma barely beat Tulane at home. Um, and I think I think Nebraska can be weird. Um, I think nothing would be funnier than this game being close late. Um, and I don't think that that is horribly out of the question. This is a very weird year. Um, nobody knows who's good, which is very exciting for us. Um, but nothing would be funnier than Nebraska losing to a bad Illinois team in week zero and then following that up by keeping it close with Oklahoma a few weeks later. See, I think Oklahoma was just sleeping, sleepwalking through that two-lane game and like with Spencer Rattler at quarterback, with Kennedy Brooks running the ball, with some of the players they have in their passing game and some of the talent they have in their defense. Like, I think they could end up making this one a laugher, but uh, no matter what, it's funny. Almost anything other than the Nebraska blowout is funny in every Nebraska game. So we will, uh, that, that will especially be the case this week. I think uh, other noon kick. Uh, whoo. Noon, ESPN from Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana. Indiana taking on America's team, the number eight ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. Cincinnati, a four point favorite here, Matt. And I I think they might win by a touchdown or two. Yeah, give me the Bearcats here. Um, They're really really good. (laughs) They're really good. And just like the vibes are off with this Indiana team. Yeah, like I get Iowa's really good, but not good enough uh, to destroy you like that in week one. I think Indiana's in for probably an eight and four season. Um, I say that now and watch them beat Penn State later in the year. Um, Cursed program. Um, But yeah, I I don't see Indiana keeping this close, if I'm being honest. And also, like, Iowa's defense might be the best in the country. Do you know it's a top five defense, top ten defense? That defense that Luke Fickle's got at Cincinnati. And, like, I don't know what it is. It it really might just be that Michael Penix's, you, you know, injuries have just sapped him of so much. And it's so unfortunate because he's a really good player. But something's just a little bit off with this Indiana team. It feels like they just can't sneak up on teams anymore. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. Like, I – like tend to like Indiana athletics. So hopefully they could uh, get things on track, but I just don't think they do it this week. Um, Noon kick from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. The number 24 Miami Hurricanes taking on a Michigan State team that's been a little bit frisky this year. Miami are six-point favorites. Uh, Hopefully, no, I might have made this joke on uh, the recap pod, but hopefully no cat falls off of a balcony again. Um, but Matt, I <sighs> Sparty might have a chance here. Sparty might have a chance this year. I don't think Sparty's that good. I think they played two really bad opponents. Um, I think Northwestern is is might be the worst team in the Big Ten this year, and that's saying something. Um, but also <laughs> Miami doesn't. 
oh great wait i know illinois there i know oh no i mean when we talk about the real sicko game at the end of this but please keep going okay um i think michigan state can keep this close i'm not sold on miami as like a top 15 team yet um and i think if michigan state keeps this within 14 that pretty much confirms that miami is not really a top 15 but sparty gets a win here that's good for the big 10 um because I always I have no qualms with Sparty as a program, so hope they hope they find a way to win this one. Uh, on the opposite side of the qualms as a program thing, noon kick on BTN from Michigan Stadium. The number twenty five Michigan Wolverines taking on Northern Illinois, uh, Michigan twenty seven and a half point favorites. I think they are probably going to roll in this game. Um, but yeah, Matt, I don't think I've had you on in a minute. What do you think about this Michigan team? Uh, Michigan um, runs an offense like it is 1998, and it's really funny. Um, they look good. Um, are they a threat? I don't know. I did put Michigan as my trap game in our roundtable um, earlier in the offseason. So there's that. They look pretty good, better than I thought they would look. Cade McNamara looks fine. He doesn't really do much. Um, but if, you, if you're a quarterback who kind of just blends in a run-first offense, that means you're doing your job. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Also, uh, Northern Illinois' top passer this year, uh, former Michigan State legend Rocky Lombardi. So that's a, that's a, that's a fun little twist. Good for uh, him. I wondered where yeah. he went. Yeah, man. 1 p.m. kick on the Pac-12 network from Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado. Oh, so, so this one isn't on TV then. Folks, Colorado hosting Minnesota. The Buffs are three-point favorites. And, Matt, this is coming on the heels of them. Uh, given Texas A&M everything that they could handle. Uh, I don't know what to make of this game. This could be a letdown for Colorado. They may come out a little bit more riled up. After last week game, week's game, uh, Minnesota, I, like, I just really don't know what to make of them because they – just got Ohio State in the first week of the season and then responded by barely beating Miami of Ohio. I feel like this is going to be a really interesting game because we're going to learn something about one or both of these teams. This feels like as pure of a pick as you can ever imagine. Um, Carl Durrell, good coach. Really, really, really good hire by Colorado that I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, Minnesota seems like they kind of know what they are doing. It seems like they packed it in late against Miami of Ohio last week. Um, and they gave Ohio state trouble. And, um, that was before we really knew what Ohio state was. And that looks a bit less impressive, but still nonetheless, if you're Minnesota and you kept it close against Ohio state, that can only be seen as a win. So I like, mm, I don't want to sound like a big 10 Homer, but I like Minnesota here. I think they can be. They can be pretty, pretty good um, if everything bounces their way this year. You, you have my permission to be a Big Ten homer in this one because it'll be really funny if Big Ten homerism happens. 2.30 p.m. kick on NBC. Uh, Purdue is going to try to put the Echoes back to bed against Notre Dame in Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame seven-point favorites. Uh, Matt, I got a chance to watch a little bit of that Toledo game last week. I like I have some serious questions about whether or not Notre Dame is actually the 12th best team in college football. They're not flat out. Yeah. They're not. Um, yeah. But what 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 I here's what I really hope happens. I I like Purdue. Purdue, please do not come and haunt, haunt me in my sleep tonight. 
Um, I think it'd be really funny if Notre Dame had like a big offensive day and then follow that up next week with being blanked by Wisconsin. And then that Penn State win against Wisconsin just looks all that much more impressive. Hmm. Um, That would be really fun if that happened. Yeah, Um, yeah, I like I like Notre Dame minus the points here. Um, I I didn't think the game it out that much. Yeah, that would be that would be really interesting to see what that does for the perception of Penn State's program. Because, and again, I am I am an unabashed Penn State homer in this regard, but it feels like they're being like really disrespected by a lot of teams as not a real threat um, when I think they may have the best resume in the country right now, and they could easily pad that with a win over Auburn this weekend. Um, so I wonder what that Wisconsin win to a hopefully undefeated Notre Dame next weekend would do to that perception. Speaking of teams with pretty good resumes, 3.30 p.m. kick on BTN from Kinnick Stadium. Iowa, number five team in the country, a 23-point favorite over Kent State. Matt, all I care about in this game is whether Iowa's offense could do literally anything because that defense is nasty. That offense might be bad, and I think that if they struggle mightily against Kent State, we can probably confirm that, yes, Iowa's offense is just not very good. They're better Wisconsin, in my in my humble opinion. Um, but also a lot changed between week one and week two. So I do not know what a good performance for Iowa offensively against Kent State looks like. Um, but three touchdowns and they're fine. Anything less and they have a problem. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, here's a fun one. 3.30 p.m. kick on FS1 from Ohio Stadium in Columbus, Ohio. The number nine Ohio State Buckeyes are 24.5-point favorites over against 0-2 Tulsa. Um, I think Ohio State against a team that lost at home to UC Davis to start the season might win by more than 24 points. Easily easily they're going to try to steamroll them because this is a team that there's no margin for error anymore if you want to make the playoff you have to beat everybody by as much as humanly possible so i think ohio state is going to try to steamroll them give me a second i i could have sworn ohio state has played tulsa like recently you know it looks like a Looks like it has been a minute since Ohio State and Tulsa played football, if at all. Uh, there we go. 2016, they lost 48-3. Uh, to three. Uh, JT Barrett threw the ball 14 times for 22 yards and no touchdowns, and Ohio State scored 48 points. So that's That's cool. awesome. That's my dream. 3.30 p.m. kick on BTM from SHI Stadium. In Piscataway, New Jersey, Rutgers, Delaware, both are two and zero. There is no point spread for this game. I mean, Rutgers is going to win, like whatever. Although it would be funny if Rutgers lost, Matt. Um, I I really want Rutgers to win, and then I think they have Ohio State in two weeks, and I want them to keep that game close because that would be really fun. Because also, an undefeated Rutgers in October is fun. I have a family connection to Rutgers. I have family who went there and played there. Um, so as much as I like to make fun of them, I do have a pretty big soft spot for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Rutgers schedule. Next week, they go to Michigan. Week after that, they host Ohio State. Week after that, they host Sparty. Uh, flotsam, flotsam. Uh, then their end of season. November 6th against Wisconsin. November 13th at Indiana. November 20th at Penn State and then Maryland. Um, that last month of the season might be really funny for Rutgers. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, good for them, man. Like, 
Rutgers, I don't know about you, but I always consider them one of those teams that's just like you can't do anything other than what is directly in front of you. Uh, and if Rutgers goes 3-0 and in the non-conference slate and then picks up, you know, wins over Northwestern, Illinois, and then someone somewhere else, they're a bowl team. That's all that program really can ask for at this point. That would be the most sold-out quick lane bowl in history. <laughs> yeah, there's a new Sopranos movie coming out, so I, can't, I wouldn't be able to blame anyone. And then final game, well, final game of the day is the Penn State game, but final game of the day in the lead-up to all of this, Matt. The worst football game that my brain could think up between Power 5 programs. 4 p.m. kick from Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina. Northwestern is traveling to play Duke. Northwestern are three-point favorites, and I think it's important to remember, they started their year with a 17-point uh, loss at home to Michigan State, while Duke started its season with a three-point loss on the road to Charlotte. Um, I might watch this game just because I think it is going to be very funny. What say you? Uh, this is my dream game. Again, I love bad football, and this is going to be awful football. Um, I don't know who approved this. I don't know why this game isn't like airing on periscope and why it's on actual television um but i i have no inclination to go either way on who's going to win this game because nobody's going to win this game if we're being honest it's just going to be one yeah. team trying harder not to lose yeah if this uh if this game was in uh evanston i'd i'd see if uh my one co-worker with whom i've done this in the past would want to buy a ticket for a rando on Twitter to go to that game. But sadly, it's not. Um, so we're not going to do that, but we might do that. I, I absolutely would have gone to this game if it was in Evanston. If, if this was if it was a noon kick, I guess 11 here, and if this was in Evanston, I absolutely would have gone. I would have had a great time. I'm trying to see if Northwestern has any like really gross home games this they season. They play at Wrigley, I think. They, they have Ohio next week, a nooner against Rutgers. Ooh, November sixth. November sixth. They host Iowa. You might have to go to that game. I might. They they host somebody at Wrigley, correct? Is Purdue. it Wisconsin? No, Purdue. Oh, I'm going to that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. sicko stuff. Yeah, I'm going to that. That also just sounds cool. A, a football game at Wrigley. Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Matt, it's uh, it's been a fun one. Any final thoughts before I do the sign off? Um, no thoughts. Hopefully, uh, it should be a nice, easy. Uh, drive or flight to anybody heading to state college this weekend enjoy i'm very jealous of you yes um and i hope that they safely break the attendance record um which doesn't feel out of reach um and that'd be really cool uh also hopefully some commits come uh with this always fun weekend yeah it's it's going to be a absolute blast of a weekend in happy valley matt and i are both envious of anyone who's going to be going to take part in it and remember if you're going have as much fun as you can. Like this is one of the best weekends of the year, one of the best things in college sports, and it's going to be a joy. Uh, but before that, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. Make sure you are subscribing to our podcast anywhere that you get your podcast. If you're using Apple Podcasts, go and leave us a five-star review. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. The best way to do that is to make sure you're purchasing a couple of t-shirts from us and make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. Like Matt mentioned, we're getting close to 10K on Twitter, which is going to be a fun little milestone for us. Make sure you're liking us on Facebook, on Instagram, and keeping an eye on some of the stuff that we're going to be doing on YouTube throughout this Penn State season. 
One last time, thank you very much for tuning into this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Pat Fitzgerald for the USC job, but do it before the Duke game kicks off so we don't have to watch it.